0: I um, just want to say, first of all, I'm so thankful to be back in Eastman um, after being, um, it's been over a year since we've been home, and, uh, and so it's, it's so great to be back here to visit family and friends, and uh, we're just so thankful to be here this morning to, um, to share the Word of God with you, um, just to worship the Lord with you. Um, if you will, turn to Matthew chapter 10 verses 26 through 33. And as you're turning, I just want you to think about uh, maybe this year more than um, any other year that I can think of in my lifetime, um, the reality of fear um, has, has set in. Um, everywhere you turn, people are fearing um, what's going to happen in our world. Um, we've got this, this whole COVID situation Um, So we're constantly reminded of that every time we put on our masks and step outside. um, Every time uh, we interact with someone, we have to keep our distance. Um, We're reminded of that reality. Um, There's turmoil in our country with riots um, and all sorts of things like that. Um, With the election coming up, um, people are just concerned about if this candidate wins and this is going to happen, if this candidate wins and this is going to happen. Um, and everywhere you turn, people um, are dealing with fear. Um, whether we want to admit it or not, we all have fears. Fears are universal. Um, in fact, as I was preparing for this sermon, uh, I began to look through different phobias that people have. Um, and so there's there's some silly and irrational fears out there. Um, I'll give you just a few here. Um, there's uh, I hope I'm pronouncing these right. Uh, there's didaskalanophobia, which is the fear of school. Um, I think, I, I think if you've ever been a teacher or a student, um, you may have have that fear um, that you deal with. Um, there's triskadekaphobia, which is the fear of the number thirteen. Um, and to be fair, um, all these horror movies they've kind of um, brought about this superstition about the number thirteen. Um, and so, so there's people that that have that fear. Um, then there's uh, euphobia, which is the fear of hearing good news, um, which, which you would think it would be the fear of hearing bad news, right? Um, and I, I talked with somebody about this um, that does some counseling and things, not my wife, another person, um, but, uh, but I was told that uh, people that deal with this, it's because they're so used to bad things happening that when they hear of good news, they think, oh no, something terrible must be coming, right? Um, in a weird twist of irony, um, there's hippopotamostrosequispidellophobia, which is the fear of long words. Um, there's uh, a um which is the fear of your mother-in-law. Um, so some, some some people may deal with that. Um, I don't have that problem. Praise the Lord. Um, and then um, there's Anatodiaphobia, uh, which is the fear that somewhere, somehow, there's ducks watching you. Uh, all right. To, to be fair, uh, that last one, it was made up by Gary Larson, uh, the, the, uh, the guy who does the comics for Side. Um, so that one's not a real fear, but the others are very real um, phobias that people have, um, but there's also very serious fears that we all deal with. Um, As I mentioned earlier, you know, about the political landscape, the riots, people fearing for their lives. Um, At my job, I talked with some folks as I was preparing for this sermon just to see, you know, um, what people out there are thinking. Um, I don't want to, you know, just come up with some things. I want to tell you real people that I've talked with that have real fears. Um, And you may can identify with some of these. Um, So I asked people, you know, what is your deepest fear? And uh, one lady told me um, it was disappointing her son. Um, so maybe maybe you have the fear of disappointing a loved one, that maybe you, um, you might do something one day um, that's going to cause them to turn their back on you and just say, I'm done with you. I don't love you anymore. I can't believe you would do that. Um, there's a fear of being slandered or attacked, um, maybe um, wrongfully accused of something, uh, maybe... Um, you take a stand for what you believe in, and people misrepresent what you what you say you believe. Um uh, there's the fear of disease, um, cancer, covid, um, many other um, deadly diseases, which brings us to the fear of death. Um, I think that's one that most people have struggled with in their life, if we're honest. Um, and then there's fears in Christian circles, um, we fear. Um, persecution at times, Um, and I think one of the big ones for us um, that Jesus is going to address here um, is we fear, sometimes sharing our faith, we fear what others might think of as fear of man. Um, And so I'm not immune to this. Um, I have very real fears at different times. Um, uh, So just to give you a little background, I work at Costco um, and I'm on this this early morning shift, so I'm going into work at 3:30 a.m. every morning. Um, so it's about lunchtime for me right now. Um, but uh, but so one morning I was going to work, um, so I'm driving down the road about 3 a.m. Um, and my car breaks down. And so, you know, I've seen enough true crime shows to know this is where it all ends, right? <laughs> um, and so, um, you know, I'm just thinking like this is the end for me. Like I'm 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 reflecting on life, like. You know, it's been a good one, you know. I'm I'm going to be with the Lord. Um, And uh, in in God's providence, um, about that time, two guys walked up. And so I'm still scared to death, of course. Um, But one of them says, hey, man, I'm a mechanic. I can check out your car for you. Um, You know, we'll see if we can get you going. And, uh, you know, he jumps me off. Um, I'm able to drive back to my house because it was closer than my job at that point. And uh, swap cars, go into work. Um, so, so there's things that I deal with like that that come up in life that where fear just bubbles up to the surface. Um, and so, so we bring all of that to the text with us today as we look at what Jesus has to tell us about fear. So, if you will um, follow along with me as I read the text, um, Matthew twenty six through 33, or Matthew ten twenty six through thirty three. Jesus tells his disciples, "So have no fear of them." Therefore, fear, or fear not, therefore, you are more, of more value than many sparrows. So everyone who acknowledges me before men, I will also acknowledge before my Father who is in heaven. But whoever denies me before men, I also will deny before my Father who is in heaven. Let's pray. Father, I thank you um, that you give us your word, um, that you haven't um, left us alone um, to figure out things in this world. Um, but that you um, guide us and direct us, um, that you have sent your Son to die for our sins, um, to resurrect gloriously from the grave and ascend to your right hand so that all who trust in him um, have no fear of death, um, but we have hope of being with you for eternity. Um, I thank you, Father, that you care enough about us um, to give us these encouragements um, in your word, um, knowing that we, we deal with fears, um, knowing that we um, we struggle at times, but that you've given us your spirit um, to strengthen us, and uh, you tell us that um, the spirit that you've given us is not one of fear, but of power, love, and self-control, and so Father, I thank you for all of these things, and pray that you would be glorified here today, in Jesus' name I pray. So just a little background to Matthew ten twenty six 26 through 33. Um, over the last couple of weeks, y'all have been looking at this, this chapter. And uh, Jesus calls his 12 disciples to himself, and uh, he gets ready to send them out. So this is like their first mission trip, right? Um, and so he says, um, you know, go out. Um, you've got authority to heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse lepers, cast out demons, Um, And he's telling them to do all these things. And then he says, but I want you to be aware that you will have persecution. Um, People are going to be against you. Um, And starting in verse 17, he says, Beware of men, for they will deliver you over to the courts and flog you in their synagogues. And you will be dragged before governors and kings for my sake to bear witness before them and the Gentiles. And then he tells him, don't be afraid about what you're to say because I'll give you the words to speak by my spirit. And then he says that even your family will betray you. He says, brother will deliver brother over to death. Father um, will deliver child. And child will rise against parents and have them put to death. And you will be hated by all for my name's sake. But the one who endures to the end will be saved. And then he talks about himself. He says in verse 24 and 25 that a disciple is not above his teacher, nor servant above his master. It is enough for the disciple to be like his teacher and the servant like his master. And if they've called me the head of the household, Beelzebub, which is uh, another reference to Satan. Um, so he says, if they've called me Satan, how much more are they going to persecute you and malign you and slander you? Um, and so that's probably not the best talk to give to somebody before you send them out for ministry, right? But Jesus wants to be real with us. He, he tells us that we're to expect this, and he says we're not to fear it, which is where we come to today in the passage. Um, and so the first thing he says to them after that, because I'm sure after hearing all those things, they're probably, well, what are we doing here? We can't go out there. I mean, you just said that they're going to kill us. They're going to drag us before courts. Like we're, You know, this is, this is pretty scary stuff, Jesus. And so he says, don't fear them. Uh, Followers of Jesus, this is the first point, Uh, followers of Jesus should not fear persecution because God is just. As we just mentioned, Jesus says that people recognized his authority, but they wrongly attributed it to Satan. Um, So they slandered him. And so that as his disciples, when we go out uh, and do ministry, when we um, go out to share the gospel, And tell people the good news about Jesus. We should expect that they're going to slander us, say terrible things about us as well. Um, But he says don't fear them because those things will be exposed in the end. Um, Hebrews chapter 4 verses 12 and 13 say that the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and spirit of joints and marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. And that no creature is hidden from his sight, but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of, whom, of him to whom we must give an account. So, so there in Hebrews we see that there's two means that God uses to expose things. Um, he uses his word, um, which he says cuts down to the deepest parts of who we are and exposes who we are. So every time we come into contact with the word of God, as we're here today listening to the word proclaimed, um, as we study in our own personal time, Um, whenever we hear the word of God, it exposes things about us that we may not even realize are there. Um, And then the second thing he says that exposes is God himself who sees all things. So we're not going to pull the wool over God's eyes. So every little secret thing that we do that we think, nobody will know about this. Um, I'm going to get away with this. Um, I know this might be wrong, but nobody's ever going to find out. Jesus makes it clear that God knows, um, and so for us, as far as evangelism in this context, um, Jesus says that they might slander you, they may say evil things about you, um, and they may even convince people. They may destroy your reputation, um, with some of the things that they say, but he says don't fear them because when you look at the end, what's going to happen is that God's going to expose those things, um, and so um, numbers chapter uh, thirty two verse twenty three brings this out um, the tribes of Israel there are going to war and uh and uh Moses has already given some of the tribes there um, their allotment of land um, and then he tells them he tells them uh, you've got to fulfill your promises to fight, even though you already have your land because your brothers don't have their land yet." And, uh, and he, says, he says, but if you will not do this, behold, you have sinned against the Lord, and be sure your sin will find you out. Now, we're not fighting for land here or anything like that, but that, that goes for us as well um, today, um, that, that our sin will find us out um, regardless of, of what we may think about it. Um, but God doesn't just expose um, our secret sins. Um, he doesn't just... Um, then say, oh, well, see, uh, you were really doing this. Um, you know, he says he says not only will he expose it, but he's going to execute justice. So the point of him bringing these sins out um, of people that slander and mock um, and abuse the disciples um, is not just to, to show them that they've done wrong, but to judge them for the wrongdoing that they've done. Um, and so... When we look to the cross, we can be certain that God will execute justice. What do I mean by that? Well, when we look to the cross, we realize that, that God takes sin seriously. Um, that Jesus had to die because of our sin. Um, so, so God loved us so much that while we were still sinners, uh, Christ died for us. Um, but the justice was executed because we deserved a penalty of sin, uh, that sin that sin pays out, which is death, separation from God. And so if we didn't pay that, Jesus, the, only, the only way that we could be right with God is if Jesus paid that. And so Jesus took all of our sin on himself, on the cross, so that we might have a relationship with God. So, so when we look to the cross, we realize that God will execute judgment. Um, the next point um, that I want us to see um, continuing on in verse 28 and verses 32 and 33 is that followers of Jesus should not fear persecution because God is to be feared instead of man. So, followers of Jesus should not fear persecution because God is to be feared instead of man. Mm -hmm. Now, I think that Probably the best argument somebody could present um, as a reason that we should be afraid as disciples of Jesus to share our faith is that, you know, they, they might kill us. Um, now, in America, we, uh, you know, we, we don't really have to think about that as much as some other places. Um, but as I mentioned earlier with the way things are going in the world... Um, things are getting more hostile, and so I I don't want us to to be unaware that maybe one day in the future we could experience that here in America as well. Um, And that's not to cause fear because that's exactly the opposite of what Jesus is trying to do here. Um, He wants us to to have a proper perspective of it. Um, so, So we say, Jesus, they might kill us, but Jesus says, that's right. All they can do is kill you. He says, fear God, um, and not man, because man, after he has killed the body, he can do nothing else. He cannot kill the soul. But he says, fear God who can destroy both soul and body in hell. So he, tries, he, he puts this into pro- proper perspective for us, um, because there's, there's so much more um, to life than just living here on this earth. Um, see, after you die, you have to stand before God in judgment. Uh, Hebrews 9 says that it is appointed for all of us to die once and then face judgment Um, And so after we we leave this earth, we have to give an account of our life before God. And so Jesus wants to put that into perspective for us, um, that that don't just cling to this life, um, think about eternity. Um, And so so he says, says, don't fear man, fear God. Um, In the early second century, um, one of the the early church fathers, uh, a guy by the name of Justin Martyr, um, he gave a defense of Christianity before the Roman emperor. And he he talked about um, justice being done for Christians because they were being abused and slandered, misrepresented, um, killed, all these different things. And then uh, he said, you know, that... We may not see justice on this side of heaven, but I just want you to examine these things and realize that, that you're in the wrong for slandering us, for killing us, for abusing us. Um, and then he finished with this, this statement. He said, you can kill us, but you can never hurt us. Um, now, what do I mean by that? What does he mean by that? Uh, well, Christians know that our hope is not in this life. Um, it's in Jesus. Um, Because we trust that Jesus has lived a perfect life before God um, and that he has died the death that we deserve. That he has taken God's wrath for our sins on himself on the cross. Um, And that he has risen um, victoriously from the grave and has ascended to the right hand of the Father. Um, So we know that those who turn from their sins and trust in him for eternal life... um, We'll never be put to shame, that we don't have to fear death, um, but that we get to be with him for all eternity. Um, we have a sure hope. Um, we, can, we can be killed, but what matters most cannot be taken from us. So that's what Justin Martyr means, um, and that's what Jesus wants us to see. He wants us to put this into perspective, um, but he continues on, um, if you'll Skip with me to verses 32 and 33. I promise I'll come back around to verses 29 through 31. But he ties this argument together. Um, and he tells us um, that everyone who acknowledges me before men, I will acknowledge before my Father who is in heaven. But whoever denies me before men, I also will deny before my Father who is in heaven. So he tells us that it doesn't matter what people might say. Um, it matters what he says to the Father about us. Um, it's, it's Jesus' opinion, Jesus' um, Jesus's words that matter, um, and not man's. And so, so he's, he's putting all of this into perspective for us and telling us that we shouldn't fear what other people say or do to us. Uh, we should fear God. Um, he's the one that made us. He's the one that we have to give an account to. Um, and so we, we need to ask ourselves, um, are we living a lifestyle um, that, that confesses Jesus are we living a lifestyle that denies him? Um, those who um, deny Jesus with their words, with their actions, um, with the way that they live, they should recognize the danger that they are in of standing before God as their judge. Um, Hebrews 10, verse 31 says, It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. In Romans 3, Um, verses 11 through 17, um, Paul gives this um, indictment against people. He says, There's no one that's righteous, not one. No one understands. No one seeks for God. All have turned aside. Together they have become worthless. No one does good, not even one. Their throat is an open grave. They use their tongues to deceive. The venom of asps is under their lips. Their mouth is full of curses and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. In their, in their paths are ruin and misery. In the way of peace they have not known. And he caps all of that off by saying, there's no fear of God before their eyes. Um, so people do all sorts of wicked things because they don't have a proper perspective of who God is. They don't genuinely, truly fear him. And, uh, and so I, th- I think that um, one of the things is that people don't properly understand what I mean by say when I say fear of God um it's a it's a reverence and awe of who God is and realizing our place before him um that that he alone um is the creator the ruler of this this world um that he alone will judge us um based on our lives did we trust Jesus um for salvation of sins or did we try to achieve salvation on our own merit um And so we, we need to understand that, um, just, um, to illustrate this point a little bit, um, years ago when I went to the Philippines, um, we were doing some street preaching. We were walking down the street with our signs, you know, repent, trust in the Lord, um, turn from your sins, turn to God, you know, all those sorts of things. And on this busy street, we're walking to find a spot, um, where we can do some open air preaching and, uh... As we're walking, we hear a man start shouting at us. And obviously he's speaking in Tagalog, which is the language there in the Philippines. Um, So we had no clue what he was saying. But um, many of you know Derek Johns. Uh, That's who we were with. And he's translating for us what this man is yelling at us because he sees our signs um, about standing before God as judge, repenting, turning from sin, all those sorts of things. Um, And so he's saying things like, you know, like, You know, like, what am I going to do when I stand before God? What's God going to do when he stands before me? And so he's yelling these sorts of things at us. Um, And I think that that's how a lot of times people are with God. They think, you know, I'm okay. I'm good. Um, Me and God's got this little thing going on. I'm going to do what I'm going to do, and he's going to be okay with that. He's going to overlook these things because God knows my heart. You know, we hear things like that all the time. But we don't understand that, that God is a fearful being to stand before. Um, and so we must, we must realize that, that we, we can't stand before God on our own merit. Um, there's nothing that we can do um, that will save us when we have to stand before God in judgment. The only thing that we can hope is that we, we cast ourselves on Jesus. And we realize Jesus has already taken the punishment that we deserve Um, He's lived a perfect life that we could not live before God, Um, and it's because of his obedience to the Father um, and our trust in him that we can have eternal life. Um, And so um, that brings us to our last point here. Um, In verses 29 through 31, uh, followers of Jesus should not fear persecution because God sovereignly cares for his children. So followers of Jesus should not fear persecution because God sovereignly cares for his children. So in verses 29 through 31, Jesus says, Are not two sparrows sold for a penny? And not one of them will fall to the ground apart from your father. But even the hairs of your head are all numbered. So fear not, therefore, you are of more value than many sparrows. So Jesus talks about these sparrows. He says, you can go down to the marketplace and you can buy two sparrows for less than an hour's wages. And he says, And yet not one of them, not a single one of them will fall to the ground apart from God's sovereign will. So God is in charge of even whether the sparrows live or die, and they're so insignificant um, that you can buy them in bulk down there for super cheap at the marketplace. Um, And you say, so what? You know, that's sparrows. What about me, God? Well, Jesus says, he says that even the hairs of your head are all numbered. So um, I don't know if anybody in here knows how many hairs on their head that they have. Um, I don't. Um, that's a, a hard thing for us to figure out, right? Um, now, some of us, we, we're losing our hair a little bit, you know, so we, we, we might have a, a better count on it than some folks. Um, but still, uh, that seems like such an insignificant and minute detail that we don't even concern ourselves with it. And yet Jesus says, but God does. God knows the, the number of hairs on your head. And the point is that if he concerns himself with such little things like that, don't you think that he's able to take care of you? And so, so Jesus wants us to see that um, nothing happens without God ordaining and allowing it um, in your life. So every little thing that's there, every struggle, every hardship, every blessing, all of those things are there because God has ordained it and allowed it to happen. Um, and he uses all of those things to shape us for his glory. Um, he uses all of those things um, to mold us into the image of Jesus. Um, James chapter 1 talks about this. He says, um, you know, count every, every trial that you face as joy because you know that God is using it to shape you um, and, and uh, perfect your faith. Um, and so, so God concerns himself with even the most minute details of our lives, and he cares for us deeply. Um, now, maybe you've seen uh, some of those movies uh, with, like, the bullies picking on the kid, and uh, then somebody steps in, and they beat up the bullies, and then the kid goes, thank you very much. I appreciate you saving me. And they're like, don't mess with me, kid. I just did that because I don't like them. Leave me alone, you know? Like, that's not God. Um God, God doesn't just, um, you know, he doesn't just uh, step in um, when things are bad, but, but he's distant and doesn't care for us. No, God is intimately involved in our lives and cares deeply for us. Um, you think about in the Exodus wanderings of Israel, right? Um, so God brings the people of Israel out of Egypt where they were slaves, um, He parts the Red Sea through Moses' his servant. Um, and they go into the desert, and they spend years in the desert because um, they don't trust the promises of God. So they, they spend years in the desert, but yet God provides for them all along the way with manna from heaven, with, with meat to eat. Um, he provides water for them um, from a rock. Um, he provides all of these different things for, for his people, even after they've disobeyed him and they don't trust his promises that they can, t- that can take over the promised land. And so so it is with us today, you know. Um, God takes care of his people. Um, This is one of the things that we can find comfort in uh, when we step out these doors um, to go and share the love of Christ with our neighbors, with our friends. Um, We can know that God's with us and that he cares for us, that he sees what's happening um, and that that he is not um, unaware or doesn't care about us. Um, One last example I'll give you um, to illustrate this um, is the life of George Mueller. Um, He was a British evangelist, um, and uh, he opened an orphanage um, where he cared for over 120,000 orphans throughout his lifetime. And uh, in his journals, um, he recorded all of the miracles that he had seen um, God do through um, his orphanage um, uh, and his ministry there. Um, In fact, he had never asked anybody for anything during that time, and yet God provided for all of those children that were in his care. And so this is one example um, that he mentions um, just to show um, God's care for his people. He says, One morning, all of the plates and cups and bowls on the table were empty. There was no food um, in the pantry and no money to buy food. The children were standing waiting for their morning meal um, when I told them, Children, you must—you know you must be in time for school. And then I lifted my hands and prayed, Dear Father, we thank you for what you are going to give us to eat. At that time, there was a knock on the door. And the baker stood there and he said, Mr. Mueller, I couldn't sleep last night. Somehow I felt that you didn't have bread for breakfast and that the Lord wanted me to send you some. So I got up at 2 a.m. and baked fresh bread and have brought it. Mr. Miller thanked the baker, and no sooner had he left when there was a second knock at the door. It was the milkman. He announced that his milk cart had broken down right in front of the orphanage and that he would like to give the children his cans of fresh milk so he could empty his wagon and repair it. And all throughout his journals are miracle after miracle of how God provided for him all along the way. And so I just want to tell you all this morning that it is with us the same. Those who are children of God in this room, um, He provides for His people. He's not unaware of what's happening to you in your life. Um, he will take care of you. And that doesn't mean that He will protect you from every trial and every pain. As Jesus mentioned, you may even face death. Um, you you may face persecution. Um, if you're living a faithful life to the Lord, you will face that. Um, Paul tells his, his young uh, uh, protege, Timothy, um, that if you desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus, you will face persecution. Um, and so for anybody who desires to follow the Lord, um, to seek after Him, um, you're going to face trials in your life. Um, but that doesn't mean that God doesn't care for you. Um. So... I hope that these truths um, encourage and strengthen you so that you go out and boldly proclaim the gospel. Um, I know that God's still working in my heart, um, all of these things that um, are in this text. And uh, just to recap, uh, we should not fear persecution because God is just, and we know that um, He's going to bring everything to light, um, every every evil thing that's ever done. He's going to bring it to, to light and judge um, those who who do such things. Um, we shouldn't fear persecution um, because God is to be feared instead of man. Um, and so we should we should change our perspective on who is worthy of our fear. Um, it's so easy for us uh, to look out um, at people that we can see and think, you know, what do they think of us? What are they um, going to do to us? And not think to God who we can't see um, what does he think of us? What is he going to do to us? Um, and, uh, and so um, the last thing is uh, that we shouldn't fear persecution because God sovereignly cares for his children. Um, we know that he takes care of his people, providing them with what they need. Um, and so um, sometimes um, he um, uses these trials in our lives um, to mold us and shape us into the image of Jesus um, so it's not always blessings, sunshine, and rainbows. Um, sometimes we have to go through suffering. Um, but he refines us through those fires. 1 um, Peter chapter 4, verses 12 through 16, uh, puts it this way. It says, Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice insofar as you share Christ's sufferings Father, I thank you for your truth that we don't have to be afraid of persecution in this world because we have you. We know that you're a God of justice who won't let um, any wrong go unpunished. We know that you're worthy of our fear we shouldn't fear man but that we should um, fear you that we should trust you that we should turn from our sin and turn to you we know father that you sovereignly care for us and that you take care of your children and so because of all these things we don't have to fear lord I pray, Lord, that we would let the manner of our lives be worthy of the gospel of Christ. That we would stand firm in one spirit with one mind, striving side by side for the faith of the gospel. And that we wouldn't be frightened by anything in our opponents. um, That we would realize that um, it is granted to us... um, To not only believe in Christ, but to suffer for His sake. And that we would live a life that um, confesses that Jesus is our Lord. um, That He um, is all we need. And uh, that we would um, boldly proclaim Your truth as we go out these doors today. Um, Thank You, Lord, for all of Your good gifts to us. Pray, Father, that by your Spirit you would apply these truths to our lives. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you, Jordan. If God has spoken to you this morning,